All right, time to uh, get the animals and the pets out and uh, so we can get them sorted for at your place. Firstly, Dr. Fiona is back. G'day, Fiona. Hi. Now, you're ready to take all the questions on the dogs, the cats. Yep. Birds are a big specialty for you? Look, it's not my forte, but as we were just chatting about, I'm comfortable with what I know and I'm also okay with not knowing everything. All right, then nothing wrong with the I don't know as a response. So uh, dogs, cats, pet husbands, we're fine with those. Yep, got Cheryl, that covered. Cheryl Shaw, you're in as well. And uh, you have got a topic that we didn't quite get to last week, but mm-hmm. it is something that is very close to your uh, world of expertise. That's correct. We're going to be talking about the correct process for bathing dogs to prevent them from getting problems on their skin. Sounds good. We'll get into all of that, plus your calls as well. Cheryl Shaw is taking a look at the correct way to bathe a dog. Now, Cheryl... It's pretty simple, isn't it? Dog's there in the backyard. Put the hose on for a couple of minutes. It shakes itself off. You back go back in and watch the telly. Yep, job done. Thank you for coming. <laughs> oh, well, Mark, if it only was that easy. Really, that happens a lot. That's a scenario that really a lot of people are doing at home. They've got the dog out the backyard. They've got the hose. You know, they might have the clam like Kimberly uses. But <laughs> what we've got to do is make sure that we're doing it properly. There's a real process in making sure that you don't end up with a dog that, number one, has... Um, bacteria and yeast on its skin that cause problems for the dog and also that we don't leave any product in the dog. So the process is really um, not complicated but you have to make sure you've got time so set some time aside, don't be in a hurry to bath the dog and make sure that you've got everything ready. This is really important. You don't want to be leaving the dog and then going away to get something coming back. So grab all your products together, grab your towels, have everything ready. One of the most um, important things, and a lot of people miss this, particularly if they're using a medicated shampoo, they won't read the instructions. So reading the instructions is so important. Another thing that sometimes people say is, oh, you know, um, when they're bathing the dog, to put um, cotton wool into the ears. Now, I can assure you, if you put cotton wool in the ears of the dog, when you're wetting down the dog, the water is going to go onto the cotton wool and then it's going to wick into the ear. Now, this is something we want to avoid. We don't want to get any water in that ear at all because any water in the ear is going to create a problem because if we've got moisture and bacteria in that ear, it's just going to set it away for an infection. So Absolutely. Yeah, so that's something that does happen. We've just got to make sure that we're sealing off those ears, so pinching them together and not allowing any water into the ears and also avoiding when you're wetting down the dog Avoid um, the nasal cavity as well. We just don't want any water going down that nose. So once we've wet down the dog, then it's time to apply the shampoo. Now, most people will grab the shampoo and, and put it down the back of the dog or, you know, apply it straight from the bottle. That's not a great idea to do that. Also, to help it um, to be distributed through the body a lot better, it's better to put some of the shampoo in a jug and mix a little bit of water with it. That will help it to go into the dog's coat a lot better and down to the skin. Mm. So if we, don't, if we don't do that and we put the product onto the dog's skin, it can actually burn the skin because you've got to remember that shampoo at the end of the day has chemicals in it and some of these are quite harsh, particularly if your dog's got sensitive skin. So applying that shampoo to the dog's coat through a jug or something similar, not putting water into the shampoo bottle because that's going to contaminate it for the next use. So we've got to make sure that we're keeping um, pseudomonas and things like that down. Another thing that we want to do when we when we have applied the shampoo, you can apply it with a glove, you can... Um, 
uh, like an exfoliating glove, a face cloth, something like that, or a rubber curry comb. Really work that shampoo into the dog and use warm water. Now make sure it's not hot, but if you use cold water, Cold water won't break down the oils on the dog's coat properly. So we need to break down those excess oils are there because if we get too many oils on the dog, we can end up with another problem on the dog's skin. So they do need to be bathed and they need to have that oil and all the dirt and debris removed. When you are bathing the dog, there's a few areas that you need to really um, concentrate on. So if you've got a cocker spaniel, often they have really um, their jowls or their, around their, their mouths are quite um, the skin folds and things like that. You really need to get in and clean those jowls. That's where the food and debris bacteria is all in there. Another area that's often overlooked is the feet. Now feet are sometimes an issue for dogs. You'll see a dog licking its feet or chewing at its feet. And there's a lot of issues that go on. Dogs are walking in all sorts of things from, from their urine, their feces, into their different grasses and things and these put um, environmental factors onto their feet. Now a lot of the dogs that chew their feet end up um, creating more and more issues and if we can just make sure that we're cleaning in between the toes really well and underneath the pads and just getting between them because those little microorganisms that get in there are usually the biggest problem so if we can reduce as many of those as we can often that will stop the dog from chewing its feet. Yeah. Now, while there is a lot there, I mean, mm-hmm. from, from us to understand that, we get the concept of why that's a good thing. The dog, mm-hmm. of course, doesn't know what's happening. Um, if you have a dog that is a little bit more, I'm not going to say difficult, but a bit more of a challenge to bathe correctly, mm-hmm. are there a few techniques or a few tips to try and you know circumnavigate that? Yes, certainly are. Um, One of the things, if a dog doesn't really enjoy the bath, make sure that you're not using a hose on it because often people discipline the the dog in the backyard by, you know, pointing a hose at it and things like that. So some dogs really don't like a hose situation. But also when you... um, When you have got the dog wet, if you massage that shampoo into the dog and get the dog used to having that lovely massage, often they'll start to settle, particularly around the head issue, you know, area. If if you're doing around the ears and just massaging it and getting that shampoo in, the dog will really enjoy that. But once you've shampooed once, it's not then time to rinse, Mark. So some of these dogs you've just got to work a little bit harder Mm. with because you then have to apply another lot of shampoo because that first shampoo is going to break down all of that um, dirt, bacteria and and, um, oils on the dog. And then after you've done that second shampoo, it's time to rinse. And when I say rinse, you really have to rinse. When you finish rinsing, I always say to my staff, rinse again, because we just want to make sure there's no product left on the skin. That product left on the skin is what causes dogs to get itchy. You can often see it when the dog's dry. There'll be like an oily patch where the shampoo still is sitting. So it's just really important to make sure you've rinsed and then rinse again. It's it's just seems so like... oh. You know, do things twice but if you do them twice you're going to get it right we just want to avoid any problems with leaving shampoo in the dog's coat the other thing is we've then got to dry the dog so drying the dog isn't just um, you know quick towel and off you go in the backyard because that's how the bacteria continues to grow and we end up with hot spots because mm. of the moisture on the skin and the warmth that's where um, bacteria and yeast really love and, and Fiona you would see hot spots a lot Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, and the common areas that dogs get them are the really hairy areas or Mm. the skin fold areas or the long-haired, thick-coat dogs that even if they do get washed, as you say, 
aren't getting dried properly. Yeah. So therefore, yeah, the bacteria and yeast just have a field day. Yeah. And so drying the dog, it's got to start from the skin out. So you don't just go over the top with your dryer. You've <laughs> really got to get down to the skin, lift that moisture off the skin and then out of the hair. And then, you know, go over, feel the dog, make sure there's no moisture left in there. Because I can't emphasize enough that if you are getting your dog nice and clean and nice and dry, you're going to lessen the problems that are on the skin. Absolutely. And, you know, there's other factors in involved with um, with skin but just those areas that are really really important around their mouths around their feet as rest the body as well all right lots to take in there and uh, like i said last thing you want to stand up by thinking you're doing the right thing and then out having to visit dr fiona etc because mm. you know haven't quite done you know, done the job properly thanks cheryl uh g'day margaret at nora head you're looking at a, a chicken lice drama what's going on margaret um, well, the chickens, we've got five chickens and um, we've discovered they've had lice um, and, you know, quite a lot of them, and it, which has spread into the house and yard and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, they're actually my daughters and they put, I went out to the um, shop and got, you know, a powder and put all that on the chickens and they washed them and put powder on them, but they still, still got them. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um Margaret, lice are the sort of thing where you can get lice on the animals, you can get lice um, on the ground, you can get lice in the bedding, you can get lice in the crevices of their their chicken coop. So if you are going to treat, you you need to treat the chickens, but you also need to treat the environment. Otherwise, they're just going to get recontaminated from that environment. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, it does. Yes. Yeah. So start with, I've noticed that you're after something non-chemical. Is that correct? Uh, it's possible, yes, thanks. Yeah. I've, I've just a little bit of advice here, Margaret. With keeping chickens, if you put diatomaceous earth on the ground, that will often help from the environmental part of it. But, um, but that's sort of a, a pretty safe non-chemical, so diatomaceous earth. Okay, yes. Yeah, so just and also decontaminating. So, you know, take your chickens out, thoroughly clean it top to bottom um, so that you've got a better chance of, um, of getting rid of those lice. If you can, sort of open it up and make sure it's getting lots of heat and sun exposure. Um, right. and, and, yeah, see how you go. All right, best of luck with that. And, and chickens can be a bit of a, a tricky one, can't it? Because, I mean, it, it's constantly, you know, you need to make sure it's constantly cleaned out. Yeah, and, and, Mark, you do have to make sure you bathe chickens as well, particularly when they have lice. So bathing the chicken is a really good idea. All right, keep that in mind, Margaret. Thanks for your call today. Gang, we're sort of in that transitional phase. Uh, the summer's on the way out. We're sort of starting to get to the, the autumn and winter months. But um, tell you what, I, I know it's not quite Easter yet, but maybe for folks that are thinking about, they're in that that planning phase of holidays and maybe uh, where things are, the routines are a little bit different for their pets in a few weeks from here. Uh, just a few things for them to keep in mind. Uh, number one, if you're going away, don't forget to get someone to sort your pet. Uh, <laughs> it seems forget. obvious, doesn't it? But <laughs> Look, it does, but it, it's easy easy for it to occur. So certainly if you're going away, you either need to get your dog or cat into boarding or think about um, who's going to house and dog and pet sit for you mm. to make sure that someone's there 
for yeah. them if you're not. And another one too is when you've got, say, a cat or you've got a dog and you've got visitors coming over, mm. staying with you. They're not used to the dog or cat being there. They may leave a door open. So just, you know, be really vigilant mm. around, particularly cats. You know, sometimes they're a lot happier to be put in a room by themselves and, you know, mm. just make sure they don't escape. They don't have to deal with people. That's I can, I can <laughs> understand that. <laughs> and yeah. they get a safe space as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you've got yeah. some people coming around to the homestead. I'll just be in the room over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, from the other point of view, like, you know, um, the people coming in, the, the, they're not used to them. So, I mean, they can react you know, pretty badly, I guess. Yeah. Or if the pets aren't used to kids yeah. or if the kids aren't used to pets, you know, keep everyone safe. The thing that we, we kind of half-joked out a second ago of, of people just forgetting that, you know, the animals need someone looking after them, do we see a lot of people coming in, a lot of cases of animals ending up in into the veterinary surgeries where there's been some problems caused directly for that, from that? Uh, probably depends what sort of area mm. um, you're living. Um, I think the RSPCA are normally the first yeah, ones first to ones sort of there. be alerted to that sort of thing. But certainly if they deem that veterinary attention is mm. necessary, they will, um, yeah, take those yeah. routes appropriately. That's the reason I asked. I, I, I did, they've still got the repeats of that RSPCA show floating around on the mm. TV. I did see a couple of examples of that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's pretty... I had a dog on a chain, for goodness sakes, and they'd gone on holidays. It's what pretty sad, some of the things that, that happen. Um, but, you know, I guess you just try and educate people as to what is appropriate and hope that people do the right thing. All right, we've got your holidays coming up for Easter in a couple of weeks. Keep all of that in mind. Now, we're looking to answer your questions today, our Pet Chat team. Gay Madawi. Now, your two-year-old Cavoodle uh, likes to lick everyone's feet and legs. Yes. What's going on there, Gay? Oh, as soon as somebody walks in the house, she's straight up licking them. <laughs> Is <laughs> it? Her legs, licks her feet. Yeah, I, I have no idea why she does it. I thought you might be able to tell me. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, Has she always done it, Gay? Yes. And is it anyone in particular or it's everyone? Everyone. And yes. is it only when they come in the door or is it like if you're sitting around the table or on the couch? No, it's mainly on the first few minutes. Like she'll go for, you know, first few minutes of someone being here and I eventually get her that I can tell her to go away and stop doing it and she listens a bit. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, I guess if it's... If it's something that you don't want her to do, there, you probably need to put a little bit of training into what you expect or want her to do. Like she probably thinks now after two years, that's what I do and that's what happens when someone walks in. So that's that's what she does. So if you do want to put some training in, certainly having her on a lead or something so you've got more control over her and then as someone's coming in, you, you know, I'd be – getting it a sit and I'd be rewarding her with some treats or a ball or whatever's sort of special yeah. to her and you're essentially building on that. So you have to re you're retraining her as to what you expect and what you want. Because she's just thinking, well, this is what I've always done and this is what I like doing, so I'm gonna keep doing it. I know I've always tried to stop that, but it's just almost impossible. She's getting a little better. Yeah. She still loves doing it. Yeah. Is she on a is she on a lead or something when people come in? No, she usually just has the run of the house. Yeah, so. that's certainly that would be a big big place to start, guys. Just having a little bit more control over where she is and what she's doing, right, so that yep. she's closer to you, so that you can reward her for good behaviour and you can redirect her if she's doing something you don't want her to do. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, can I ask one more thing? Sure. Um, It'll cost you double, though. No. <laughs> oh, there you go. Get some pennies out. <laughs> uh, what's, what's question two, Gay? Uh, she's under my, um, my vet, my local vet at the moment, because she's been quite sick for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, two weeks ago, she started walking backwards with a tail between her legs. She couldn't seem to work out how to go forward. Yeah. Um, so she went to the vet and she had a... a, a neck manipulated and blah, blah, and she went on some medication, and the medication disagreed with her, so they've put her on a lot on Monday. She's been back and forward. Yeah. Um, and apparently she's got this neck problem that they, and the vet said he usually, it's something that you only see in older dogs. I guess it's it'd be not, tricky, Gay, without personally I reading know. her history or examining her, but yeah. um, at her, so Cavalier's, do have a, a spinal slash brain neurological condition that they can get, whether she's got that part of her having cavi in her. Um, but, I mean, if you're in doubt, I mean, certainly make sure you voiced your concerns um, to yeah, your vet. and have got an again this afternoon. It's yeah. Just, yeah, a couple of weeks and we're still going. She's just not really yeah. 100%. Yeah. Look, unfortunately, sometimes the complicated ones do take a while to sort out, Gay, and I'm sorry, walking backwards is not a, not a common problem. So she she may be in that, that sort of complicated case scenario. But, yeah, wishing you the best of luck and definitely um, voice any concerns to your vet. Thank you very much. You have a good day. Thanks, Gay. All right, best of luck. All of a sudden, the, uh, the licking's not the big problem in town anymore, is it? It's the walking backwards. I, I think if I had to rank which was more important yeah, absolutely. Be the walking backwards. So yeah, hopefully she um gets some answers. Yeah, like you said, the, the, the tricky ones can be the long ones to sort out. Absolutely. I mean, you know, routine stuff, yes, we deal with that all the time. Mm. The the complex or complicated cases, as you can imagine, don't get solved first time around. They take a bit of investigation. Best of luck with all of that. Look, we've done birds, we've done dogs, and we're finally on to the greatest of pets now. <laughs> we have a cat question. G'day, Trudy at North Lambton. Your cat's usually okay, but out of the blue, apparently, it'll just start biting without warning. What's happening? Yeah, look, he's a, he's a lovely cat. He's really placid, well-behaved, doesn't cause us any problem. He's been a, he's a rescue cat, mm-hmm. and he's seven years old, and um, there's just my daughter and I, so... And he's quite okay with um, her partner. But just every now and again, when you pay, want to get on your lap, you want to sit there, you'll pat him, and then all of a sudden he'll start to arc up and mm-hmm. his pupils will dilate and then he'll go to bite you. And I think, why? What have you, you know, what have we done? What, what's happened? And he periodically does this. Mm-hmm. He's quite, um, yeah, there's no real explanation why he can be quite happy and then he'll just be cranky. I was um, pulling back to bed the other night and I said, okay, he jumped up on the bed. I said, okay, it's time to get off. He just looked at me and I said, come on down. And he wouldn't go, so I, you know, brushed him off and that was okay. I got into bed and then the next minute he comes up on the bed and I think, oh, he's just going to come and get a pat. Mm. And he just took to my arm. <laughs> like a payback for making him get off the bed. I was like, oh, I had to get the water bottle with spray, with water. Oh, dear. So has he always been doing this, Trudy, or is it a new thing? No, he sort of, we sort of let him um, just ease into coming to live with us because I thought, oh, he might be just a bit scared, you know. Mm. So have you had Um, him months, years, weeks? 
Uh, we've only had him for, say, um, probably not a year yet. Okay. Um, but he might do this periodically a couple of times a week. He'll okay. Just do it when and he, is it... Yep. Is it always when he's sort of sitting up on something and you're trying to move him or is it when no. he's on the ground or? No, he can be just sitting on my lap and I can be watching TV and he'll, I'll be patting him because he wants you to pat him, mm. you know, so patting him and then all of a sudden you'll see the ears go back. Yeah. And you stop patting him and you think, okay, now don't you attack me. Mm. And then all of a sudden he'll, he'll go to bite me my arm and then he'll jump up on the top of the lounge and take off it's, and um yeah i've got a little container lid now and i hold that up in case like a shield and you know just in case but of course that he doesn't like that either but, yeah i mean um, i guess the tricky thing is with as you say you mentioned him being a rescue it's hard to know what happened yeah. previously um that might be of a concern is he desex treaty yes okay yes. and have you got any other cats or dogs in the household no, he's the only pet. Uh-huh. He has the run of the place. Yep. He's well behaved. Um, he's very good. He'll shake hands. We give him treats. He'll do, you know, high fives and low fives and, yeah, all these little tricks. He's very, very well behaved. He just um, periodically does this. And my daughter, he's, she's not so bad. She'll pick him up and, you know, she's 31, and she'll pick him up and, and she'll go, no, don't you bite me. But her skin's a little bit better than mine, and I... um just recently went to get a tetanus shot because I had oh, a little dear. bit of an infection coming up on my hand. From, yeah, look. I've got quite a lot of scars on my arms. Um, and yet he's, you know, he'll come to greet you and I feed him, all, you know, I'm the main carer for him. He'll sit on my lap and, and all that all the time. I just, my daughter said we need to take him to the vet because maybe he needs a good, you know, which I will do, check over mm. in case. He's There's something else now. going on. Look, I would or... I would definitely be recommending that, Trudy. The other thing is if he's quite intelligent and he likes training, he may just be full of energy. Like he, he needs to spend expend a little bit of that um, predatory instinct on maybe some toys up and down the hallway or a laser light. Often they'll like yeah, chasing we... as well. And the other thing I guess is... If you if you can anticipate now when it's going to happen, don't put you or him in that situation. If it's yeah. after a few minutes on your lap that it starts to be a problem, making sure you're exiting that situation before it happens as well. Yeah. See so yeah, a bit of a bit of physical yeah. stimulation and mental stimulation on his behalf, and definitely a full check over to make sure there's nothing else going on. Sounds like yeah. a great idea. Yeah, thanks. He's got a laser light and we do do, um, yeah, all those type of things. So, yeah, I will get him checked out. But, yeah, thanks so much. No worries. Good luck with it. All right, best of luck there for you, Trudy. Uh, Last up today, Mel at Acacia Vale. Uh, Another cavoodle. Go for it, Mel. Yeah, hi. Um, My nearly 11-year-old cavoodle, um, I've seen a vet about it before, he's got like little lumps on, on his skin yeah. and the vet just explained to me that they were just like um, little warty things that he got with would get with age and that there was not really any use in removing them because they would just come back and he would just develop more. Okay. But there's one particular one on his back leg that once he's been groomed, he just, it annoys him and he's aware of it. Okay. Um, and this is the last time he was groomed, um, he hasn't stopped, even though his hair has grown back around it. He's just this one he keeps biting at. Okay. Is it infected? It, I don't think so. He just 
won't leave it alone. And it's gotten a little bit bigger and it looks, it's changed in the fact that it probably looks a bit more like a blood blister than, than just like a flat, warty, skinny colour sort of um, that the okay. other ones are. But, but it did start off as that and I didn't know whether there's something I could do to paint on it to stop him. Yeah. Yeah, certainly I'll give you a couple of suggestions, Mel. Firstly, if a lump changes, that is yep. certainly an indicator to get it checked again. Um, okay, lumps yep. can go from you know, being something quite innocent to something not quite so innocent. So certainly yep. getting it checked out. Um, there are bitterant sprays and that sort of thing that you, if it's not infected um, and the skin's not broken, there are bitterant sprays that you can put on the area, kind of like the n- nail biting um, yep. nail polish that you can use, so similar to that. The How other would thing, I know if it's infected? Beg your pardon? How would I know whether it's infected or not? Would it uh, like be puffy or? Not necessarily. It could no. it could potentially for the untrained eye look quite normal, but to a vet okay. um, so could look infected. Yeah. So yeah. look, I'd I'd be getting it check, checked a to check it's infected if it's infected and b if it has changed. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing potentially also is if it's bothering him and it's by default bothering you, just ask to have it removed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Best of luck, Mel. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, thank you uh, so much for all of that, Mel. Again, best of luck with it all. Gang, looks like we've uh, almost uh, made it to uh, the end today. Another uh, pet chat uh, sort of done. So, uh, mate, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Fiona, for your expertise as always. And uh, Cheryl Shaw giving us up to date as well. A bit of an insight on what's happening next week, Cheryl, or are uh, we not quite there yet? No, we're not there yet. We're just getting, this one's just done. Because <laughs> you thought maybe just maybe we'll get a ton of calls this week and I won't be able to use my topic this week. But no, you have to go back to the drawing board now. Ah, there you go. And I know we're doing this sort of um, ass about today, but mm-hmm. we didn't sort of start. We normally do show or show brooch watch. Okay. It is the one from last week, but it's the dog. Yep. It's, it's a dog on it. It's the dog and it's got shampoo bubbles all over it. It hasn't been rinsed properly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, ladies. Have a great rest of the week. And we'll uh, get you next time for another Pet Chat.